Hello and welcome back to the Ideal Nutrition Podcast. This is episode 51 and today we're going to be talking about resistant starch. Um, I am Aidan Muir, I'm here with my co-host Leah Heigl and we're going to be talking about resistant starch in terms of what it is, why we should care about it a little bit and then also how much we should care about it and what kind of actions we should take in relation to that. So starting off with a bit of background, resistant starch is a form of starch slash fibre that passes through both the small intestine and large intestine, mostly undigested. It acts as a prebiotic fibre, even though it passes through mostly undigestion, it is still a food source for bacteria in the large intestine, and that's where a lot of the benefits come from. It can increase the amount of short-chain fatty acids in the gut too, and typically that is a good thing. And in particular, it increases butyrate, which is often linked with positive outcomes and good gut health. So that's why we really care about it. Yeah, in terms of where you can actually find resistant starch, so you're going to find it in most foods that are quite starchy, um, but particularly in things like legumes, bananas, particularly unripe or like green bananas and green banana flour, um, as well as potato, pasta and rice that has been cooked and cooled. Um, So things that you've you've cooked, you've put in the fridge and it's come down to a a lower temperature is going to have resistant starch in it. Um, I find with my clients, that's probably the thing that people tend to eat the most of in terms of resistant starch is they'll get it from there. Um, But the average person eats about three to nine grams of resistant starch per day. But we know that in terms of gut health, what would be optimal um, and where we really start to see the benefits is around that 15 to 20 gram per day mark. Yeah. So people are clearly getting it like incidentally and stuff like that, but a conscious effort could potentially get a bit more out of it, right? Yeah. So there's been a lot of benefits associated with that higher intake of resistant starch. Uh, So obviously we've touched a little bit on gut health and diversity of the gut microbiome. So we'll go into that a little bit, Uh, but also it's been linked to things like reduction in insulin resistance, uh, IBS symptoms, potentially things like weight loss um, and a few other things. So we might just go through them one by one and uh, and go through it. Yeah, for sure. So starting with insulin, and insulin resistance, blood glucose levels, kind of putting that all together. Um, It very clearly helps with blood glucose levels just the same way as regular fiber would in terms of it slows down digestion, which therefore allows insulin a longer opportunity to take blood glucose levels down. Um, In terms of insulin resistance specifically, though, there is a... According to the research, a 33 to 50% reduction in insulin resistance when people have that kind of high intake of resistant starch that we're talking about. And there's a lot of proposed mechanisms, but the main one is that it seems to stem from some downstream effects of having increased short-chain fatty acids, which, as I was saying, typically they're a good thing. And they can lead to a decrease in circulating fatty acids in the blood, which therefore leads to a decrease in insulin resistance. That seems to be the most common reason or explanation for that happening. And then a side thing is we're going to talk about this as one of the benefits later, but like weight loss, it potentially helps with weight loss. And if people do get leaner, that should also help decrease insulin resistance as well. Second one we'll touch on is IBS. So this is a bit of a a mixed bag in that resistant starch, like we said, does increase this production of short chain fatty acids. So things like butyrate, which we know is great for gut health, um, also increases the amount of bifidobacteria in the gut, which 
again, is really good for gut health. And people that uh, have IBS are usually have five times lower levels of bifidobacteria in a lot of cases. So having that kind of deficiency in that particular kind of bacteria and then using your uh, resistant starch to increase it could potentially help manage your IBS symptoms. Uh, but where this is a mixed bag is that obviously sometimes when you increase fiber intake really quick or you're just putting a lot of plant-based foods in your diet that are maybe high in FODMAPs, that could actually lead to an exacerbation of your IBS symptoms. Um, so whilst it's really good for gut health, it doesn't mean it's always going to cure everyone's IBS symptoms. Um, I think whenever it comes to gut health stuff and IBS, it's always best to kind of work with a professional because it's so hard to see what is actually causing your IBS symptoms or to know what that is um, and whether resistant starch will fix it, you know, probably not, but it can contribute to good gut health, which might help lessen your symptoms. Yeah, I completely agree. And it's one of those areas where there's not really research being like, hey, let's get 100 people with IBS, increase the resistant starch intake and see what happens. Because ideally we'd have that research and it show benefit, but we don't have that research. It's just really theoretical at this stage. And because of it, it's one of those things that's like, if you make a massive jump in that, it probably makes symptoms worse. Yeah. But if you start low and go slow, you increase it very slowly over time or whatever, it has potential benefits. The theoretical mechanism makes sense and there's a lot of reasons why it potentially or likely would contribute in some way. But you also aren't risking these like downsides if you take that approach because if you do yeah. notice your symptoms getting worse you can just cut back if you do that that's true you're not doing any long-term damage and I guess like with IBS I always like to say like just because someone has IBS doesn't necessarily mean they have poor gut health to begin with yeah. like those two things aren't always go they don't always go hand in hand um so just doing things that are good for gut health may not always fix your IBS yeah, for sure. And I like that bifidobacteria stat because it's like, hey, this is clearly a difference on average in gut health. But once again, we don't have research being like, okay, let's address that bifidobacteria, yeah. get higher levels of that, and then a resolution of symptoms happens. We don't really have research on that. Yeah, so likely a good thing, but, you know, may not be the cure-all. Yeah, definitely worth <laughs> discussing that. Totally. And the next one we're talking about is the effects on weight loss. And this is another one where we don't have research specifically on it in terms of being like increased resistance starch leads to this. And it's more of something that a lot of people just see in practice and talk about and everything like that. And there's a few reasons why this might potentially happen. One is that carbs normally have four calories per gram. That's just a, a, a nutrition fact that like I think a lot of people would benefit from knowing, like never change anybody's life by telling them that, but it, it's a useful piece of information. And resistant starch has two calories per gram. So it has half the amount. So that could be a small factor. It's like you're consuming less calories to the same amount of food you're eating. But probably the bigger picture or the bigger factor here is that people who have higher resistant starch intake typically consume fewer calories per day. And it's likely just due to appetite management. It fills people up more than lower resistant starch foods. So you can see how that could contribute to weight loss. Resistant starch also has early links to things like potentially reductions in bowel cancer, um, inflammatory bowel disease, diverticular disease. Um, so it, it can be, it may be helpful outside of the things we have kind of touched on already. But again, this, this is a mixed bag. Like we just, we're so early in the research, we can't make any hard claims about any of that. Um, but overall, I think it's not a bad thing to just know about and add in if you're not already doing it. Because like, what's the harm? Yeah, exactly. 
which I guess leads into like, do we do anything with resistance to our clients? Like, do we focus on anything with that? I rarely ever talk about this stuff. I think just because I've I've said this many times, but I work with predominantly vegans who are more health conscious. So they're likely already doing this. They're already eating all these high starch foods. They're already eating legumes. So it's pretty rare that I'll ever kind of bring this up. It's already being done. Yeah. And I'm similar. Like obviously the clientele I work with probably would benefit from it a little bit more. But I don't bring it up unless people ask me. And a lot of people do ask me about it and we do talk about it. But like in practice, like from that side of things, like focusing on things like legumes, seeds, whole grains, all of those things, what we talked about in terms of like that cooked and cooled potato, rice, pasta, those things, a lot of people incidentally do that. Yeah. And like I don't recommend people go out of their way to do that. But if you're doing this, like, hey, this is a nice bonus. Um, the unripe bananas, <laughs> that's hit and miss with the... Green banana flour. Yeah, like you can bake and stuff with yeah. that. So that's always an option. I know it's pretty expensive, so I don't think it would be my first port of call. Yeah. Like I'm probably just going to eat some legumes and nuts and seeds and stuff. Um, but, you know, it's an option. Yeah. Yeah, once again, not an option I often recommend, but it, yeah. it is an option, which is like all we're getting at. And one thing I actually have recommended a little bit over the years is um, there's a product called Barley Plus made on the grain Barley Max which I believe is a human-made grain that just happens to be really high in resistance oh, okay. starch. So it was developed by the CSIRO, is my understanding. And in, in like Woolworths, Coles, just general supermarkets, they have Barley Plus muesli bars that are high in this and also Barley Plus cereal that's high in this. And there's one called Barley Plus Protein. And often when I recommend cereal for people, oftentimes I'll say like X grams of cereal. And I might say like higher fiber cereal or whatever. And then... Because people love specifics, yeah. whereas I'm like, hey, just like choose one that you like that fits this criteria. <laughs> because people like specifics, sometimes I will put in there, have barley plus protein or whatever it is. Yeah. Because even though it's not super, super high protein, it ticks a few boxes being like, okay, say they have that with milk, for example. They might combine that to get above the 20 grams of protein kind of magical like number of like <laughs> getting enough leucine in and stuff like that. Um, if they have a decent serving size. So that's a nice thing. It's not what we're looking at it for, but that's one thing. But then it's also relatively high fiber and they also might reap the benefits of having this um, kind of resistant starch as well. Yeah, and for people that don't have much of a like plant-based diet or anything along those lines, these products that are like jam-packed full of these kinds of gut-friendly things are always a positive. Yeah, for sure. And it is one of those things as well that like, again, start low and go slow because I, I... I've got a weird thing, a bit of a photographic memory for food labels. And one of the things I noticed about these Barley Plus products is that their fiber decreased over the years. To the best of my knowledge, from memory, like they came out super high fiber and then took away about like 30% or something like that. Don't quote me on the 30% number, but like... A pretty big, like a significant a decrease. A significant decrease. And yeah. I'm like, I think I know what happened. <laughs> like I think people... Everyone got like upset stomach. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Particularly because it could be easy to overeat those or like people yeah. might have multiple muesli bars. But like that could be an easy introduction or an easy win for something that like we don't consider a top priority, but there are some nice bonuses to having this higher intake of resistant starch. This has been episode 51 of the Ideal Nutrition Podcast. As always, we'd love it if you could leave a rating and review if you can do so. Uh, But otherwise, thanks for tuning in this week.